Welcome to the Teach the Geek podcast, where engineer and author Neil Thompson talks with STEM professionals about public speaking, a struggle for many of us. Whether you're a novice public speaker or a proficient one, you can always pick up tips on how to improve. Here's your host, Neil Thompson. Welcome to another edition of Teach the Geek interviews. My name is Neil Thompson. I am the founder of Teach the Geek. I work with technical professionals so they can present more effectively, especially in front of non-technical audiences. You can learn more about that at teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Today, my guest is Tom Schwab, and he's actually a return guest, although it's been a minute, so it's really glad to, I'm really glad to have him back. He's the founder of Interview Valet, which helps people get guest spots on podcasts. And I recently wrote about being a podcast guest as a, a way to practice public speaking, so it, it seems fitting to have Tom as a guest to speak on this topic. So welcome to Teach the Geek Interviews, Tom. Neil, it's great to be back. Hello, Tom. You know, I, I mentioned that I, I wrote recently about being a podcast, how being a podcast guest could, could be a benefit to people who want to practice or just even improve their public speaking skills. So if you were, let's see. Yeah. So do you, well, I guess the first question is, do you even agree on that statement? And, and if so, why? And if not, why? Very much so, and I'll base it on my personal experience. So I are engineer by by degree. I went uh, went to the Naval Academy. I uh, was a mechanical engineer, and public speaking to me was tough. And I tried it for a while. So pre, well, way pre COVID, I was in Toastmasters, and I'm thinking I've got to be a better speaker. And every week, I or every month. I would win the award for the most ums, uhs, you knows. And it was just what I had done. So then fast forward, I start to get on podcast interviews and just do more talking, get more comfortable with it. And then people start saying, well, where did you go to speaker training? Well, I never went through speaker training. It was just like a lot of reps, a lot of at-bats on podcast interviews. And to me, it's a lot easier because I'm more comfortable right here. I'm in my office, you know, you're, you're at your office and it's a comfortable environment. I've done it where I've done interviews on television or radio, and I find it more stressful because you've got the clock, you've got a different environment. We're all so used to zoom now that it's easy to do public speaking and practice public speaking just through podcast interviews. Yeah, I, I fully agree with you, Tom. And I was a member of Toastmasters too, for quite some time. And I don't think I ever won the the Ocon award, but I, I was very aware of the ums and you knows and so's. I actually wrote a post about that too, about using the use of filler words. You know that there are some that think that the use of filler words is actually a sign of conscientiousness. So maybe you're the most conscientious of all the Toastmasters. I'll take that. I'm going <laughs> to own that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Toastmasters is a is a great organization to to practice and, and hone in on your public speaking skills. It certainly gives you that that forum to do so. So, you know, Tom, let's just well, actually, you don't even have to imagine being an engineer because you actually are one. But if you're some if you're an engineer who who really wants to get better at giving presentations and think that being a guest on a podcast is the way to go, what would you say is the first thing they should do? Well, I would say who do you want to talk with, right? There's 4 million podcasts out there. Now, granted, only 400,000 have gone live in the last 30 days. So the vast majority of them are dead. So think about who do you want to talk to and what do you have that you could share with them? Now, everybody's got a, a an area of expertise. 
And this used to bother me when I first started out because it was that imposter syndrome. Like, well, you know, I'm not an expert. What am I going to talk about? And it was actually a friend of mine that's a, a lawyer. He helped me through this. And he said, the legal definition of an expert is someone that knows more about um, their subject than the average person based on their training, based on their experience, uh, based on their their knowledge. So it doesn't mean you are the world-renowned expert on something. I don't think there ever is one of those. But if you've gone through training, if you've gone through experience, if you're working in a project or in a business, boy, you've got more experience than 99.9% of the people out there. So I think it's finding what you can share and then being confident to share your opinion on that. You know, the one thing I say that I am the undisputed world-renowned expert on is my opinion. And really, when you go on a podcast, that's what they're asking. You know, the people aren't fact-checking you. What's your opinion on this? Where do you think this is going? Uh, and it's really just a conversation. And, uh, you know, all of us have gotten used to having conversations, and especially now conversations on Zoom. Yeah, I, I agree with you that, the being, especially if you're a guest on a podcast, it's you really should look at it as a conversation as opposed to it being this, this grandiose thing. But it can be a little difficult sometimes if you have the questions beforehand. And I've been on podcasts where the questions were given to me beforehand. And then you think, I really need to make sure that I answer these questions the way they want them to be. Well, not necessarily the way they want them to be answered, but I need to make sure that I answer these questions as opposed to a conversation where you weren't given questions beforehand. You were just, you're just having a conversation and the answers come out as they come out. And sometimes you'll have the host will give the guest questions. And other times you'll have the guest will say to the host, hey, ask me these questions. To me, those get to be very dry, right? Because it's the same interview over and over. And you're going to ask me questions and I'm going to give you my talking points. I'd much rather have it as a conversation. And, you know, the, if you gave me, you know, five questions, we can go on to other ways on that five questions, right? Or ask follow-up questions to that, at least have a guideline of where you're going there. And I think it's okay to answer a question that, I don't know, I've never thought about that. Let's work through it, right? If somebody asks me something that I've never thought through, that's how I'll do it. It's like, hmm, that's a really good question. I've never thought about that. Let's work through this right now. So people know that you're doing that. And I think that's a lot more authentic than just listening to an interview where you ask the same 10 questions, I give the same answers, and you know nobody is listening to each other. Oh, yeah, I, I fully agree with you. And there have been instances, you know, I've done over 240 episodes of this podcast now, but every now and then, there might be a guest who is insistent on getting the questions beforehand, and I'll send them the questions, and then the day of the podcast, I'll ask them completely different questions. <laughs> you thought you were going to be prepared, huh? <laughs> Think again. <laughs> I always look at as podcasts or a conversation. So what you're listening to right now is the same thing Neil and I would be talking about um, if we were sitting down at a Denny's having coffee in the morning, right? Some podcasts are, you know, people having um, a coffee in the morning. There's other podcasts that people are um, 
having coffee at 2 a.m. after the bars close, right? Different podcasts, but it really is just a conversation that you're listening into. Uh, and I think that's what makes it magic uh, because if it's just an interview, um, if it's just a blog post, you can find that other places. Podcast should be real conversations. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's funny you mentioned Denny's, <laughs> Tom, because I actually went there yesterday twice and ordered the same thing twice. <laughs> I'm thinking of going there today again. <laughs> I was going to say any any place that uh, brings me a pot of coffee when I sit down, I love. Right? Um, some people call me a coffee addict. Uh, I'll just call myself a coffee achiever. <laughs> a coffee connoisseur. Yeah, you know your coffee real well. Just like I know the value slam at at, at Denny's real well. Pancakes, <laughs> scrambled eggs, and bacon. <laughs> Hook it up. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, okay, all right tom so you gave some some points on on, on what you should what the first thing you should do let's let's talk a little bit more about finding those podcasts to guest on what, what do you think an engineer that wants to get better at, at, at presenting or public speaking how should they go about finding those podcasts yeah often we look at more is better right and one of my big things this year is you know more is not better better is better so don't look at from the very beginning, how can I get on, you know, a thousand podcasts? How can I write that uh, algorithm to find these? No, find four or five and don't pitch yourself, right? Um, that word gets used all the time, pitch. And I know where it comes from. You pitch an idea, uh, you pitch a story, but what we're really doing here is introducing people. So put yourself in the host's shoes, right? Make their life easy. When you reach out to them, Nobody likes a cold outreach. So after you found, you know, five podcasts, and these could be podcasts that you listen to, ones that your friends tell you about, maybe you do a search, you know, what are the top five podcasts on this area? Listen to the podcast and think, would would I be a good guest for this? Both the, both the content and just the tone of it. Would I be comfortable here? Listen to it. Leave the host a rating and review, right? We're all vain. We all listen for our own name. Reach out to them on social media, you know, share some of their things. If you do that with four or five podcasts, they'll know who you are. And then the idea is to reach out and introduce yourself, not a pitch, but just to say, hey, Neil, I've been listening to Teach the Geek podcast. I love it. Um, your guests are great, except that Tom Schwab. I think he was a little bit weird, but Here's what I think I could offer you and your audience. And your goal for being on a podcast is to make the host look like a genius for having you there. So often you'll hear, what was it? Gary Vaynerchuk wrote that book, you know, jab, 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 right hook. Well, I just look at it as give, 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 ask, right? So if you're giving to the host, if you're giving them a rating review, if you're, you're commenting on things, if you're reposting it. And then you give in reaching out and saying, what can I do to add value to your show? They'll ask you to be on the show. And then it becomes very easy, right? Because podcast hosts, no podcast hosts do a great job on that podcast. And at the end, when they turn it off and stop recording and you talk a little bit, just say, Hey, I really enjoyed this. You know, are there any other podcasts that, you know of that you think I'd be a good guest where I could add value because podcast hosts, no podcast hosts. 
And think about it. If they just give you, you know, here, here's two podcasts. Let me introduce you to the host. It doesn't take much for you to get your, your, your card filled with different podcast interviews. So I see some people try to do the more focused prospects like I did there and they get great success with it. The, the people that, that run the list and they get uh, 5,000 podcasts and just spam them, you know, they may get a couple invites, but it's probably not from the podcast that they really want to be on. I really like your process, Tom. And it, it makes sense. And what I really like about it is that when you finally do reach out to that podcast host, because you've done all these things beforehand, they're probably more likely to say, well, they're more likely to have you on, on, on their podcast because you're not just reaching out to them saying, be, can I be a guest? You've, you've liked and, and you've liked their podcast. You, you've listened to it at least, and you've left a review. You, you've shared it with people. You've posted about it on social media. You might have even engaged with the, the podcast host on social media too. So even by the time you reach out to them about even the, the podcast itself, they, they might even recognize your name. So it's not like it's, mm-hmm. a, it's not as cold as it could potentially be, as you mentioned, if you just went down a list of, of podcasts and just spammed it, or just sent a you know, cut and pasted template to all these people. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And then the whole idea of giving and then and then asking what is jab, jab, and then the, the hook somewhere. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew there was a lot of jabbing and then, uh, then there was a hook somewhere. So yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense too to especially if you're at least if you're not dealing with a selfish person who just wants to take from people, but if, if the actual host is 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 an, is amenable to it, they'll think this person actually gave me quite a bit of value. So I, I'm I'm way more likely to recommend him to other pod or him or her to other podcasts or just you know set, you know put 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 them in the right direction. So I really like what you had to say about that. Yeah, and I would I would ask if you agree with this. I've heard it before where podcast hosts want to have three types of people on their podcast: their friends, friends of friends, and people they want to be their friends. Right? And nowhere in there does it say creepy cold pitches. So if it's just somebody that comes out and says, you know, I, um, Neil, I just wrote a book on, you know, um, uh, parenting two-year-olds and I think I'd be a great fit. It's like, no, that's, a, you know, it's a spam one. You're not going to say yes to that. But if somebody's always reached out to you and built that relationship, chances are you're going to uh, be much, much more likely to have them on the podcast. Yeah, 100%. So now let's just say you're an engineer. You saw the benefit of of being a podcast guest. You you found a podcast to guest on. The the host says, "Yeah, come on through. You can be a guest. You're real excited about it." How do you think that engineer should prepare to be a guest on the podcast? Yes, and uh, I thank you for asking this question because so many people just think, "Well, it's a Zoom call." I'm so used to Zoom calls. Well, no, it's a Zoom call with thousands, tens of thousands of people listening in. And the other thing too, is a zoom call that lasts forever. So people will be able to find it. So take it seriously, you know, get good equipment. You don't have to have, you know, a $500 microphone, but you can go on online and get a $60 microphone. That sounds great. Uh, wear some earbuds. So you don't get the feedback there, go to a quiet place and then make sure you understand what the podcast is about. Listen to a few episodes, find out who the host is, find out about them. And even before they hit record, ask them the question, right? What can I do to bring the most value to you and your audience, right? They'll, they want you to look good. 
right? This is not a gotcha interview. So they'll help you along that. And a lot of podcast hosts will um, even send information beforehand to say, hey, here's a little bit about our audience. Make sure you do that. Um, We always teach our clients that there's three ways to show up for a podcast. There's early, on time, and rude, right? So make sure that, uh, you know, that you're there at least three minutes beforehand, because if it's a live event or they're wondering, ah, you know, I invited Tom and it was like two weeks ago, we set it up. Does he still remember? So make sure that you, you're following up with them and Hey, I am excited to talk with you at this time and then be there just a few minutes late or a few, oh, a few minutes early. Yeah, you don't want to be rude. That's that's the third one. Yes. <laughs> Early on time and rude. Don't want to be rude. I, I I fully agree with you. And and yeah, it's certainly if you're going to be doing podcasts, audio audio is king. So you know if you have a, if you have good audio, that, that certainly will help matters. And then and then also being on time. That 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 certainly helps too. As I mentioned, I've done a number of these interviews, and whenever I always send an email the day before to let the the person know, you know, to remind them of the interview but then I'm but then when it comes the time you're just you're just hoping I hope they remember I mean I did send the email before the email the day before but you know people sometimes forget but luckily I've, I've had pretty good guests I, I can't really think of many on the top of my head that just didn't show up so that's that's always good so then so now Tom let's just say okay you got the interview you're happy about it you prepared but now you're actually in the throes of the interview so what are the what are some tips that you would offer that engineer to I guess do the best job that they can during the actual interview. Sure. So start with the end in mind. What are you trying to accomplish? What's the host trying to accomplish? Make sure it's conversational. When you're talking, make sure it's not a a monologue where they ask you a question and 30 minutes later it ends. No, break it down into smaller chunks so it can be a conversation. And today, 70% of podcasts include video which actually makes it a whole lot easier because you can see if the other person wants to to chime in if they're if they're drinking, you know, a cup of coffee, you don't throw it back to them as soon as, you know, they get it up to their lips. So, um really just telling having that conversation but also telling stories. And I think at times especially for us people that are more technical, um we're so used to having other things, be it a PowerPoint, being it uh, um, a graph, something to point to. And we think in numbers. That's really hard to follow along if you're just talking and just listening. And the other thing is 70% of podcasts are listened to sped up. So if you're trying to explain something that's complex and they speed it up, they're probably not going to follow it. And they're probably not going to go back and listen to it again, but it can be a great opportunity if you're explaining something that's a little bit more complicated to move them back to your website. When you just say, you know, Neil, um, I did a, uh, a webinar. It was an educational web- webinar. I'll put that up on my podcast. And if anybody wants to see, you know, how this actually works, just go back there and you can see it, Right. Um, it's a great way to move them from being just a passive listener to an active visitor, but just really focus on being a conversation, bringing value. And I think the two hardest questions that you ever have to ask, uh, or answer on a podcast is the first one and the last one, right? It's like flying a plane. You got to figure out how to take it off and how to land it. 
The stuff in between is usually pretty easy. So when somebody asks you, so tell me about yourself, you know, it's the first question. They don't really want to know where you grew up, what your pets are, all the rest of that. They just want to know who are you? Why are you here? What value can you bring? So rephrase that question. And then at the very end, typically the final question is like, so do you have any final thoughts or how can people get in touch with you? I see a lot of people struggling across that one, right? Either they think, oh, this is like radio and I'm going to get cut off because we're going to go to news and weather on the fives. Or, you know, I, I've got 30 seconds to give them my my uh, Instagram, my email, my WhatsApp, all the rest of this. And you forget that when people are listening to podcasts, chances are they're multitasking. So give them one place to go to, make it easy. Typically, it's just your website or a page on your website because then you get the SEO value from it. And then tell them what they're going to get there. Make sure it's valuable uh, because, you know, nobody wants to go and sign up for another newsletter, right? We all have enough newsletters. But our testing has shown if you give, you know, people three ways to say yes, give them a small yes, a medium yes, and a heck yes. So come back to the the website and, you know, there's a, a checklist, an assessment, something that's a quick win. You know, the medium win could be that webinar that I talked about that explains all of this. It could be a book. It could be a face-to-camera video. And then that that heck yes could be, you know, buying your product. It could be jumping on a discovery call with you. It could be actually talking with you, right? There's that old thing that um, if somebody comes with credit card in hand after hearing you, you are the answer to their prayer. Don't slow them down in the funnel, right? If they want to talk to the wizard, let them talk to the wizard. <laughs> you know, you know, Tom, when you were talking, it reminded me of a of an interview I did once. And you know, I, I typically start the I start these pretty much the same. I'll introduce myself, I'll introduce the guests, and, and then my next thing to say would be welcome to the, the Teach the Geek interviews, you know, fill in the blank name. And I remember this one time when I did that, I said, Welcome to the Teach the Geek interviews. This person just launched into their, their basically their resume. And it was like five, six minutes. I actually timed it of them just talking. And I, I didn't even ask them a question. All I said was welcome. <laughs> and then it went right into it. I was just like, and I, I don't typically, I don't typically interrupt people when they're talking because I don't like to be inter- I don't like to be interrupted. So I I I I don't do it that I don't do that to other people. But I just remember looking back at the video and just looking at my face, it's just, I'm, I'm not very good at hiding how I actually feel. <laughs> I'm not been like in minute two or three into it. I'm just like, yo, this guy's still talking. My God, I didn't uh, even ask this man a question yet. <laughs> I, I love technology. And one of the things we've started to do is to take interviews and get them transcribed and then run it through some different uh, platforms. And to figure out how many filler words did you use? How much did you talk as opposed to the other person? How long was your your longest monologue? And we do this internally with our team too. And uh, it, it really struck me. There was one time where we ran it through. And of course, most, most months I have the most filler words of the team. But it struck me, one of my monologues was like 13 minutes there's nothing I need to talk about for 13 minutes without asking a question. Chances are there's nothing I need to talk about for three minutes without asking a question. Wow. 13 minutes. For some people, that's the whole podcast. 
luckily I, I went back. It wasn't a podcast. It was actually a training that we were doing, um, in our company, but the same way, um, if you're talking with, for, for 13 minutes without asking or getting people involved, you know, they, they checked out 10 minutes ago. Oh, 100%. <laughs> All right. So now we're basically, we went down the entire, the, the entire, I guess, the, the logical process. You, you, you figure out you want to be on a podcast. You, you find a podcast to be on that you're accepted to be on the podcast. You actually do the podcast interview. What suggestions would you have for the person, for the guest after the podcast? What do you think they should be doing? Yes. And with all of these, I think you can go back and take the word podcast off of it and just ask, what would a guest do? And that's the same thing you should do on a podcast, right? So before we talked about, you know, if you get invited as a guest, right? If Neil invites me over for dinner, I should be prepared. I should show up on time. You know, when I get there, I should be grateful and not dominate the conversation. And what would you do after you're a guest on somebody's podcast or in their home, right? You would thank them. You would follow up with them. You wouldn't want to ghost to them afterwards. And a, a great way to show your appreciation when you're a podcast guest is to promote the interview, right? When when this comes out, you know, the mean time between recording and going live right now is 42 days. So when it goes live, make sure you comment on it. Make sure you repurpose it. Uh, this is such rich content, right? Um, I've written a lot of blogs in my life, and every one of them felt like a homework assignment. But I could take this recording and transcribe it, make it into some blogs, make it into some um, uh, different videos, help promote it. And I've heard people say, well, that's copyrighted material. You can't do that. I'm like, well, I would always ask the host, but I have never had a host saying, no, you can't promote my material, right? <laughs> as long as you attribute it and say where it came from, they just want to be seen on there. So make the most out of every interview. And realize that it's a relationship, right? And one of our core values at Interview Valet is that relationships are the ultimate currency. So if you cared about that host and cared about the audience so much that you would give up your time to go and be on the podcast, why wouldn't you want to continue to nurture that relationship? So do that. Uh, another thing, uh, send them a thank you note, right? You, know, you look and say, well, that, that seems very untechy. If you do that, you'll stand out from 99% of the guests. And guess what? When you stand out, they'll probably promote that interview a lot more, or at least they'll come to, you'll come to mind. So, you know, six months from now, when they're on to another subject, they may reference your episode. Oh yeah. Go back to this episode. We talked with this person. It was great. Right? So really don't look at it as a transaction as much it is, is to the start of a relationship. Oh yeah. I, I, that's, that's a hundred percent true. And you know, what's so funny. What's so interesting about that is that when I first started the, the, the podcast or the, it wasn't even something that I thought about with nurturing these relationships with guests, or even when I was a guest on other people's podcasts, you know, trying to develop a relationship with the, with the host. It was all about me just Trying to get my name out there, get the Teach the Geek brand out there, and just hoping that as many people as possible watched or, or listened to the podcast. But a lot of times, though, the relationships that you build with the host, they could be even more fruitful than any number of downloads that you get from the from the from the actual podcast. And that's something that came to me maybe a hundred episodes in. 
<laughs> yeah, they're they're the micro influencer to that community, and they could be your client. They could be your referral partner. Um, you know, one of the the big things I talk about is one conversation away, right? Um, we're not all one funnel away. In my life, the best things have not come through funnels, right? So it's one conversation away, and after you talk with somebody for thirty or forty five minutes, there's a relationship there. And so they may start sending you business. They may, um, if you have a question about a problem, well, now you've got this network to reach out. And so always look at it um, as a uh, as a relationship, not a transaction. And I think as I look earlier in my life, um, that's one of the things I would have told myself as an engineer early on. It's not who's going to be the smartest engineer that's going to have the best career or have the most fun. It's the person that has the relationships with that too. Um, and so um, th that's what I always look at is things will change, but those relationships, you know, it's, uh, if relationships are the ultimate currency, it's the only currency that inflation uh, doesn't, doesn't destroy. Oh man, you, you're, 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 you're speaking facts right now, Tom. And you know, right now, at least in the tech industry, number of people are getting laid off. And I bet a lot of them would wish they had built up a, a proper network before that happened. Because you see that you see the posts on LinkedIn about you know looking for jobs and all of that. But you know what? The people who ended up, I'm sure the people who end up landing on their feet more quickly are the ones that had that network. And they could reach out to that network and look, look, I'm out of a job now. They laid me off. What y'all got for me? And then they'd be like, yeah, come on through. We got we got positions here. And, and you know, in, in certain instances, a lot of these jobs that are out here, they're not even advertised. So it's not as if you're going to know about them just from going on 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 LinkedIn or going on Indeed or wherever whatever job site there is to go on. There's it's we actually we learn about things through the people we know, and the more people you know, the the better relationships you have, the more opportunity you have to learn about these hidden jobs. And then you're you're actually not out of a job so long. This, this one what? woman I know, she she was laid off from her job. She had another job in a month. I mean, she, she missed a couple pay periods. That's it. <laughs> well, and it goes back to what you were saying before. It's like exposure brings opportunity. If you're in the witness protection plan and nobody has ever heard of you, how are they going to think of reaching out that you'll be the next person to fill this job? I remember we were working with one gentleman. Uh, he was a cybersecurity consultant. And I asked him, you know, why are you doing podcast interviews? And he said, just to get better known. So that, you know, when people Google me, I, I get seen and uh, uh, my stature goes up. And I said, so you're looking for more clients? And he's like, no, I've got as many clients as, as I can take right now. And I'm like, then why do you want to do this? And he says, because the more proof sources I have out there, the more valuable I, I am so that I'll have more clients coming to me so that I can choose which one I want to work with. And he said, the price is going to go up also. So if, if somebody, you know, if you're out of a job and you're looking uh, and somebody says, well, you should, you know, you should talk to Tom Schwab, right? What are they going to do? They're going to Google your name. And if they find you and it's like, oh, I, I guess he is, you know, uh, I guess he is good at this because he's been on all these different podcasts. He's definitely, you know, uh, known in the industry. Uh, that's got to help you. Yeah. Yeah, well, this this has been this has been such a fruitful conversation. I'm I'm, I'm hoping that the people who are watching and listening to it are, are certainly getting what what you're putting down there, Tom, because it's it's really it's really useful. And and as I mentioned, I wrote a whole blog post 
about this. I know you don't like blog posts, but I write them every now and then <laughs> about about the usefulness of appearing on podcasts to, to work on your presentation or just on your public speaking skills. So thank you so much for being a guest, Tom. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, and I had mentioned sending them to one place when you said what you do at the end. So I'll show you exactly how this is done. It's typically called a welcome page. So if you go to interview valet with a V.com forward slash geek, everything Neil and I talked about there. Uh, there's a little assessment, you know, that talked about the small yes, the medium yes, and the heck yes. Small yes, an assessment. You know, will podcast interview marketing work for you? The medium yes, I wrote a book called Podcast Guest Profits, How to Grow Your Business with the Targeted Interview Strategy. Uh, it's available on Amazon, but if you want a free copy, just come back to the website. And then finally, you know, if any of this makes sense and you'd like to talk with me or my team, I'll put my calendar uh, on there also. So all of that will be back there at interviewvalet.com forward slash geek. Wonderful. Well, everyone, that marks the end of another edition of Teach the Geek interviews. My name is Neil Thompson, founder of Teach the Geek, and you can learn more about it at teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Until next time, take care and stay safe. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Neil. Well, everyone, that marks another episode in the can. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like these episodes and want to support Teach the Geek, please subscribe, share, and like on any of your favorite podcast platforms or on all of them also if you prefer to watch the episodes head on over to the youtube channel at youtube.teachthegeek.com until next time